Okay, so thanks everyone. Um, maybe we can kick off our mid-morning session. Just before we start, I'd like to um, welcome Christopher Palm from um, IRMSA, who's the Chief Risk Advisor at IRMSA. One of the things that we are trying to do as the ARM Committee is see how can actuaries and ASA work more closely with other organizations who specialize in risk management. Um, and IRMSA is one of the organizations we've been speaking to, so we're very pleased to welcome Chris to, to our seminar today. Um, for our next session, um, I'm very pleased to welcome Dino and Manny from um, Telspace. Telspace is an ethical hacking firm, um, and they're going to be doing a, a very interesting talk for us um, on uh, including some live demonstrations. I'm not entirely sure what that means. Uh, I guess I'm taking a bit of a risk here at the risk seminar, uh, but I, I'm very excited to see what they get up to. Um, just a few words of introduction. Dino is the founder and CEO of Telspace Systems. He's got over 20 years of experience and leads the research and technical team at the company. Um, Dino is extremely um, involved in all aspects of the information security sector and is presented at many international conferences, including Hack in the Box um, and DEFCON. Um, Dino is very passionate about the information security community and is involved in various community-based pro projects um, and is on the review board of some of these um, conferences which we've just mentioned. Manny is the Chief Operating Officer at Telspace. I mean, he also has a passion for information security and has gained a significant amount of knowledge and experience in both the technical and management areas of InfoSec. Manny, throughout his career, has been involved in um, related research, training, awareness, and advisory projects targeting industry sectors, large financial government institutions, multinational organizations, and SMEs. So please join me in welcoming Dino and Manny, and we're excited to see what you get up to. Thank you so much. Cool. That's ah, working. Cool. Thanks for the introduction, Ron. Um, so as you mentioned, we're from a company called Telspace Systems. We wear hoodies because that's the way we can hack is if you wear a hoodie. Otherwise, you're not a hacker, right? So as you mentioned, we work for a company that does uh, security assessments for other companies, right? So it's our job to bypass security controls, both technical, process, people, whatever vulnerability a criminal could find or way into a company, we find that way first. And then we give you a report and you fix it. That's basically in a nutshell. So there's our titles. We will be here afterwards. So if you do want to come chat to us, you're welcome to. Otherwise, there's our contact details. So we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit about the threat landscape. All right. So why do we have to do cybersecurity? And what is cybersecurity? Uh, you did notice at the beginning, we do have forget the buzzwords. Um, so very much about, um, there's a lot of buzzwords out there. Cybersecurity is actually one of those buzzwords, actually. So, and there's other things, which you look at the back of Dino's hoodie, it says there, APT, blockchain, AI, it's all crossed out because those are all buzzwords. All right, so you also, if you're a hacker, you must have a picture of cats in your presentation, so I've checked that. You can actually read up on it, it's true. Uh, I also couldn't find a funny picture of uh, anything for the agenda, so I just put that there. Uh, so where's the real risk? And then the way forward, right? So. Our presentations are pretty much interactive. It does require a little bit of audience participation. Uh, some of you might be participating without even knowing about it, just by being here. Right, so when you look at the threat landscape, it's pretty much two parts of it. There's the threat actor and the threats. Right? So you can't do much about the threat actors. They're always going to be around. Right? You can't go and like, you know, make the threat actor disappear. What you can do is you can reduce your vulnerabilities so that your threats are less impactful on yourself or your organization. So a lot of stuff I'll be talking about is more for companies, but it's also with a personal spin. So how do you protect yourselves online? Okay, so it's just about companies. All right, so who's familiar with these, those media players? This one over here, VLC. Who uses VLC? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. <laughs> Popcorn Time, Streamio, and then there's Cody. Right, so Cody has become a lot more popular recently because of uh, the wrong reasons. Uh, maybe because people are using it to stream uh, pirated content. Not Cody itself, there's add-ons you put onto Cody and you can stream movies for free and series for free and stuff. Don't ask me how to do that after the talk. That's not what this is about. <laughs> but there was a vulnerability in all of these media players a few months ago that uh, could allow someone to compromise your computer remotely. All right, so compromising means I could take full control over it. And all you had to do was just Select a subtitles file and load it onto your media player. So if you're watching a movie, you know the subtitles come up and it shows like in English if you're watching it in another language, it shows. 
So what researchers found was that they could manipulate. So when, when you play a movie, it goes into a server and it gets the top rated subtitles file. So the one that's got the most votes. So they found a way to manipulate the ranking so that their subtitles file will be the most voted for. All right. So when you select English, it's going to pull the malicious subtitles file, put it in your computer. And then based on how the media player interprets that file, they take full control of your computer. All right. So and even if you have antivirus. Okay. So let me show you a little bit of a video on how that actually works. It is called uh, Hacked Translation. So you see there's a cat there. I told you guys, if you're a hacker, you have to have a cat in your presentation. Otherwise, it's not cool. Yeah, so what, what he's doing there is he's opening up the first media player, which is Popcorn Time. Uh, you see he's watching Frozen. He selects Watch Now. And what's going to happen is he's going to show a split screen, all right, which is going to be... Um, so he selects English, and as I mentioned, it pulls the subtitles file from the repository. And then you'll see they're going to show like a little bit of a split screen. So it says, exploited in three seconds, three, two, one. So this is pretty much the attacker's machine where he's listening for a connection, right? So let's say this is the victim. I put this, I'm playing the video on here. I get compromised. My machine connects back to the attacker's machine, and the attacker has full control over this machine just by the media player interpreting the file. All right, so it's not like you downloaded a malicious file. You actually just selected English in your media player and pulled the, the highest ranked one. All right, so you'll see that it waits for a connection. And then the guy will have full control over the, you can see, remote desktop. You can actually see exactly what's going on. It's going to be super interactive, so get ready to put your hands up. Okay. So basically, this is something called Metasploit. And um, a lot of hackers use this. It's, it's typically used by um, what we like to call newbies or people that are new in the industry um, because it's quite easy to use and exploit um, different kind of victims. But essentially, what this is doing is waiting for connection back from your machine after you've opened that malicious file or after you've basically looked for subtitles. And in this case, once it started loading the subtitles because the vulnerability actually lies there, um, we actually get a connection back to our bad machine, right? And we can control your machine from ours. So if you look at this screen, it's, you can basically see it says started reverse TCP handler. That's all technical stuff that we have to worry about. It's nothing too bad, but basically we're waiting for connection. Once we get that connection back, we connect it to your, to your, to your computer and we can basically do whatever we, we like to do with it. Yeah. Um, I think you should just leave both our mics on, hey? Portuguese and Greek, we're always talking. This is the problem. All right, so... Um, that's uh, on the screen, the right, that's actually available for free. You can download it. It's called Kali, Kali Linux. It's like a whole bunch of hacking tools you can download for free. You can watch YouTube videos and you can just follow the YouTube video and learn how to hack. All right, it's obviously not that easy. You can't go hack like take a lot or a bank. At least I hope not in that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. All right, so what are the lessons learned? What have you learned? Did you guys know about that vulnerability that existed in your media player? How many times does it pop up and says, do you want to update and you say, remind me later? Or don't update now? Or how do I turn off updates? <laughs> That's usually the... The thing is, these, uh, these things have been fixed in the media players, right? So the, the vendors released updates for it. They're called patches, where it fixes the vulnerability. But if you click remind me later or don't update, and you, you probably notice the Windows 10 now, it just forces you to update. You don't have a choice. It just restarts your computer. Because users kept saying later, 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 later. They want to restart. So a bit of the lessons learned is that you should update your software, right? If it tells you to update, just update it. Okay, so, and also keep up to date with the news. There's a site called The Hacker News. All right, so it's a, quite a, I like to call it a user-friendly site because they're not too technical. So even if you just want to find out about interesting news, you go to The Hacker News, subscribe to the newsletter. I think you get it once a week. And uh, it's, it's a good summary of what's going on out there. And you might find stuff like that. All right, so who's heard of the Internet of Things? Yes, yes. Okay. Who's heard of the Internet of Insecure Things? <laughs> no one. So it's funny because once I did a presentation and the guy's job title was Internet of Things Specialist, and he got very offended when I put insecure on the screen. He's like, what do you mean insecure? I'm like, well, it's insecure. But anyway. So Internet of Things devices, pretty much any device on the internet that's not a computer or a server or a conventional computer device, right? So it's things like your microwave, your fridge, your TV, your light bulb, whatever it is that you want to put on the internet. Tractors, I mean, beer taps are on the internet. There's a lot of things uh, that are on the internet, right? But the thing is that these things are not 
secure by default or secure by design. All right, so under that category is IP cameras. So who's bought an IP camera and installed it in their house or their business to keep an eye on things? No one. one person. Not one. Not one. <laughs> they can see where we're going with this, I yep. think. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so how difficult is it to find insecure IoT devices? It's not too difficult. Uh, there's actually a website called Shodan. Who's heard of the website called Shodan? S-H-O-D-A-N. Don't worry, that's not a tricky question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah straightforward. Uh, so there's a site that's pretty much uh, for searching for the Internet of Things uh, devices. So think about it like the Google for finding things online that are not conventional devices. So things like cameras, microwaves, geysers, industrial control systems, SCADA hardware and factories, that type of stuff. That, that it's some, for some reason is on the internet, because the other day there was a, a news article that said that some, some guys in a nuclear power plant installed Bitcoin mining malware on the nuclear, like the computer that's used to manage the, to mine Bitcoin, because it was a powerful computer, right? <laughs> And uh, that's pretty crazy. But then you find that they're online on Shodan and you've got a problem. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a little bit of a, an example of how to find open IP cameras. All right, so, but before I do that, I have to do some uh, typing because I'm going to look like a hacker. <laughs> uh, you're right, dude. It should be green, hey? Okay, so let me just... It's very awkward to type here when this is on. Oops. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this is for another demo I'm doing just now. Actually, let's just carry on. I'll show you guys just now after my, my first demo. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a lot of typing, and you guys are going to sit there and think, you know, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so at a later demo, I'll show you guys how to find open IP cameras on the internet. So that's cameras that have no username and passwords. All right, to show you how easy it is to find those cameras. Uh, and then give you a few websites you can actually refer to as well. Okay, so the threat actors, uh, there's different types of threat actors. There's this guy over here that watched a YouTube video, can open up command line and thinks he's a hacker. All right, and um, you don't really have to worry about this person if you're a big company or a company that's mature in the security. But uh, users or normal day-to-day -day users, average user might have to worry about this person. You've got organized crime. Uh, that's the guys that uh, do it from 8 to 5. It's their jobs to get into companies, steal money, espionage, whatever the, the motive is or the goal. Um, and they're proper organized. Like, they're not playing games. There's, like, platforms where you can, like, go and hire them. You can lock tickets. They get back to you, unlike some providers in South Africa. And you can, you can elevate your, your tickets. And they, they provide, like, really, really good service, like, great service. <laughs> uh, 10 out of 10, <laughs> uh, you know. There's actually a, there was a company on the dark web that was called, I what they were called, but their slogan was Hackers for Hire. I don't know if you knew that, did you? Yeah. It's basically stole our slogan. Yeah, stole <sighs> Criminals, contrast them. Uh, then we've got uh, your hacktivists. Who's heard of Anonymous? All right, so Anonymous, it's basically like a whole collection of people that are driven by a common cause. All right, so if you do something that they think is politically correct or morally incorrect, they get together and they attack you. And that's what they do, right? So they're driven by another motive. It's not money-driven like the, or financially-driven like these guys. And then you've got your state-sponsored attackers, right? So stuff like your NSA from the U.S., the Russian government, the Chinese government. Um, those are the guys that have a lot of capability, a lot of skill, a lot of money. And if they're going to hack you and they're going to spend time to hack you, they're going to find a way in. You know, it's like um, if they decide to target Tilespace, I'm pretty sure they'll find a way to get into Tilespace. I compromise myself or okay, maybe not myself indeed, maybe someone in the company, eh? Hey? It's probably us as well. <laughs> probably <laughs> us, yes. And then it, Let's put that into types of groups. Those are those are kind of the ones that you know about, right? There's been a lot of other ones called like LulzSec before, which are a little bit more malicious. So what tends to happen is the guys like the NSA actually catch those actors and pretty much hire them or use them to basically find out the rest of the group and actually arrest them. So there's a lot of things that go on in the background, but the NSA has got, uh, and a whole bunch of other agencies, I think there's another nine or ten that basically um, do this. Um, they have a lot of money to spend as well, so they buy zero-day exploits. Um, there's a lot of companies that sell them to them, like legitimate companies, and they're not so legitimate companies as well, and people. Um, one of them is called Zerodium, um, which basically is a, 
and to put this into like numbers for you guys is that if you can find what they call like a zero click exploit in iOS or Android operating systems which are phones um, they'll pay up to two and a half million dollars per exploit right so there's big money involved especially for guys that just you know do this because they love it and uh, the NSA either actually makes those themselves so they don't pay for them because they've got extremely smart people um, or they actually buy them if it's something that they really want so like Manny said they're going to find a way to compromise uh, you I mean and when I talk about zero click it means you don't have to do anything Basically, they can compromise your phone or your, your device. You don't click anything. You just basically comp get compromised. And that's why they're so valuable. Yeah, I mean, they do things like um, don't accept laptops before they get delivered to companies and then do hardware implants on the laptops. Repackage it up. Get to the company. It's brand new. They open it up. It doesn't really matter because the way computers work is that the closer you get to the hardware, the more you're able to hide. So whatever you have on top of that hardware is compromised. doesn't matter if you have the best antivirus, the best security software the hardware is being compromised. And that's, how they, that's the type of capability they have where they can actually accept deliveries, do hardware implants, repackage it, and send it back to the company, right? So that's the type of uh, threat to actually dealing with if you're in those crosshairs. But um, unless you're like a defense contractor or you're you know, doing something against the government, you don't usually have to worry about those guys. Unless they're trying to get to someone through you. You know, that's another story. All right, so... Uh, what about what are the other threat actors that are on that list that you can think of? You have to think about it, your companies or your lives. What, what would be another threat actor that's on this list? Yeah? Staff, right? So your employees, the internal threats. And sometimes it's not just the employee that's malicious, it's just an employee that makes a mistake. Right? So they accidentally set out your whole, your whole client list to everyone on the, the address book by accident. Or they click on a link or things like that, right? So there's your insider, and then there's uh, this guy. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say what, since we've been here, we actually got you just before the coffee break. And while I've been here, what information could I have collected on everyone in this room that I could use to target you? This is the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is when people start to like worry. Like, how, how could I, uh, what could I have done to target you or compromise you while I've been standing here? Wi-Fi stuff. Wi-Fi stuff, that's right. How would I, t what could I do with your Wi-Fi? Does, does anyone connect to the free Wi-Fi? No. It was like, someone thinks, someone thinks it's like, I'm going to put my head in my pocket and disconnect <laughs> <laughs> without anyone seeing. I'm just going to be casual. Uh, yeah, so, um, yes, Wi-Fi, you're on the right track, right? Because everyone's got a mobile device, a smartphone, right? So what can I collect from your smartphone that could be useful to me as an attacker? Oh, also, there was a register outside that everyone signed, which was quite useful. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I didn't actually look at it, but I mean, that's, that's useful information if I had to target everyone in this room, but it was out there. Um, and I just came out, I was wearing a hoodie, and they're like, oh, you must be Manny or Dino here. <laughs> so yeah, interesting. All right, so the thing about your phone is that when you carry your phone around, it automatically connects to all your Wi-Fi networks automatically, right? Or some people like to say automagically. So you walk around, you get home, and your, your phone connects to your wireless network, it's connected. You get to your office, connects to your office network, it's connected. But while it's not connected, what is it doing the whole time? It's busy asking, where's that wireless network the whole time? So it's like, where are you home? Where are you home? And when you get home, it's like, home's like, I'm here. And they both connect to each other. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Bluetooth is the same. Um, so, the, so what I can do is I can collect every single wireless probe that your phone sends out. So any Wi-Fi network that you've connected to, I can sit here and I can collect it. But what can I do with that information? What's, why is that useful to me? as an attacker. So while you do that, let me uh, start typing. While you guys think about that, let's go to the Actuarial Society's site. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? Don't you guys... <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Yes. Okay, so what do you notice about the site? 
quick quick disclaimer it's like we're not doing anything illegal here just yeah, yeah the door i always say that, yeah. that, 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 that so, it, you know, yeah. we haven't hacked the website yeah ethical so the thing is that if you look at the website's url um, your current the current actuarial society website is under https right so you'll see that that says it's got a question mark an exclamation mark there right but the url is uh, the same all right but this is not actually the website so if I had to come here and click on this magazine, because it looks quite interesting. What do I have over here? Oh, by the way, this website's a full copy of the actual website. Everything actually works. You guys, this side, the, it was pretty big to download. <laughs> <laughs> it's massive. It's massive. But uh, it's not illegal to download the website, because if I can't download it, then I can't visit it. That's the thing, right? So with this, I'm just going to save all these uh, wireless probes, which are quite a lot, because they're quite big. Uh, then while that's happening, is I'm going to just type some stuff and uh, magic. Yes, and still uh, wait for you guys to tell us how I could have uh, compromised you with your Wi-Fi. Yes. Yeah. So what I could do is I could create what's known as an evil twin. All right, which means that um, your your phone will connect to my wireless point if it's got the same name as your home network. Right, because it's looking for that network. Obviously, it's not going to work because your phone's going to say the password is incorrect and you'll type it in. But if I come to this venue and I set up something and I called it, you know, Actuarial Society or I called it ERM and I put a little piece of paper on each chair as I came in this morning with a password, who's going to connect to that Wi-Fi network? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, <laughs> maybe not after this talk. Uh, yeah, so that's one thing, right? Who's familiar with the concept of war driving? Back in the day, war driving. Yes? Oh, you're that old, you know? I'm pretty old. Yeah. All right, so the way war driving worked back in the day was when wireless networks got created, people would go with a piece of chalk, drive around, and mark on the pavement if a Wi-Fi network was open or closed with a chalk marking. All right, so you walk past the house, you're like, oh, there's a Wi-Fi network, mark it, drive, mark it. Now there's an app you can put on your phone or any device. You drive around, it picks up a wireless network and maps the name and the GPS coordinates of that wireless network onto a map that's it available for free for anyone to look at. So how, how is that useful if, uh, if I'm an attacker or I want to target you specifically? If someone drives past your house and that software's on their phone, they're going to map your wireless network name and the location of that network. All right, so let's have a look at some of these. Uh, so somebody here did connect to Always On, which is free Wi-Fi, guys. Uh, broadcast, broadcast, Mutambu. Where's Mutambo in this room? He's not going to put his hand up. Nah. Anyway, so your wireless network at home, maybe it's called Mutambo. You've got another one here called oh, Michelangelo. That's cool. Samsung phone connected to Michelangelo, which is across the road. Always on Michelangelo again. So it's quite a lot. Let me just scroll through because we've only got 15 minutes. SCC, IT, some random number there. Might be a software number. Another one, another one. Android AP, He408. Iliad, Yoko, Android. So there's quite a lot of uh, different Wi-Fi points. Can you guys see where Manny's getting those names from? See on the left. Okay, so, yeah. If you just look on the left, um, Manny, you're going to have to probably... Hey, Mary. Yeah. So Mary Wi-Fi. Pretty much you can see Vodafone Mobile Wi-Fi always on. That's where he's getting the names from. Yeah, so it, it gives you a good idea of... Uh, and also, it's associated with every device. So there's a unique ID with every device. So if I set you along enough, I can actually, based on your signal strength, work out roughly where in the room those probes are coming from, if I wanted to work it out. And uh, also, what phone you have. Like, this is Sony Mobile. So it's got a Sony. So I think you can start seeing, like, you know, if we can see what type of phone you have, what your MAC address is, where you are, like, it starts getting much easier for us to actually export an individual, you know. Um, obviously, companies, companies are, are a little bit easier, actually, for us. But um, individuals... If you're looking at like the, the state-sponsored attacks, like this is literally how they do it. Because if they know what your MAC address is, they can pretty much follow you wherever you go. So, Yeah, also, I mean, that being said, also, if we're talking to the company and everyone goes to the same coffee shop every week, and they're all connected to the Wi-Fi there, if we go to the coffee shop there just to say we're going to set up our own Wi-Fi points, or even better yet, we could just go there and give the coffee shop owner free USBs and with the label. Because, you know, would you ever pick up a USB on the road and plug it into your machine? No. 
Would you pick up a USB with uh, your company's branding on it, a plug-in to your machine? Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Salaries. <laughs> Salaries.xls. Exactly. Um, promotions. Ah. So this is the website called uh, wiggle.net. So basically what you do here is that you can come to here. You should, it's up to you if you want to allow your location to be shared. But basically all the purple is uh, Wi-Fi points that be mapped or located, right? So what you can do is you can actually, uh, I think the resolution is throwing me out. Let me just look. Oh, there you go. So let's say we want to look for all Wi-Fi points in Sandton, for example. You can see all those purple are pretty much all the Wi-Fi points in Sandton. And then you can also search by SSID on the, on the right there. So if I type in Mary or whatever the SSID is in there, I can find out if it's someone drove past your house, it'll give me the location on the map of where your house is. All right, so that's pretty interesting. Now the open cameras. So I went on Shonen and I found a few. Uh, there's a house in Austria, Italy cab, a church in Ireland, and a Durban scrapyard. So this is uh, the airport. It's nighttime there, now in Massachusetts, in the US. This looks like it's some sort of lab laboratory there. Um, so remember, these, this is not hacking the IP cameras because the cameras are open on the internet. So uh, if you go to something to the internet, oh dear, hope there's no uh, electricity there, yeah? That's gonna be awkward. <laughs> um, the guy in the back is like worrying. So this one seems to be offline now. Uh, let's click on there, see if the one opens. That's the church in Ireland. Looks like there's a service going on, no? No, they're just sitting there. Uh, yeah, so it's a pretty cool church, I think. Uh, this one's still loading. This is a, a pub in Italy. So you can uh, see someone's actually already someone's hacked. Someone's already done that, yeah. Yeah, so someone's already beat on this camera and they pretty much said they I'm hacked by two. But the owner of the, the bar doesn't even know. But that's a live stream uh, where the guy's actually having some coffee there. He doesn't properly tell you that, okay? So also, so that you guys know, it's quite interesting. A lot of guys, uh, a lot of hackers basically do that day to day to let the, the camera owners know that they've been compromised. So they might not do something malicious, they'll just let them know, like, I've been hacked, as an example, like, you, yes. need, you need to fix this stuff. Um, I mean, it's not too common that people do that, but they also write scripts to automate that process. Um, so there are some good guys out there, I guess. <laughs> yes. And then there's a website called incicam.org. And so what they do is they... Oh, also, just so you know how I collected your Wi-Fi probes, there's actually this... Uh... This little Raspberry Pi, which is also little, but uh, whoa, there's no step there. So it's pretty much like a little computer. It's got two wireless cards, one to connect to Wi-Fi probes, one that I connect to with my laptop, and then just a battery pack. And uh, what I do is I keep it in my backpack, and we do company assessments. We can actually put these into like multi plugs, wire them in there, then plug it behind a water cooler, plug the plug in there, and just leave it there to do what you want to do. You can basically put it pretty much in any device as long as you know a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, you won't have the big case. This is my big one, but like the board's quite small. So you can pretty much put it in anything, right? And then you can plot these all over. We're actually doing one coming up where we've got to fill a lot of these all over the place. That's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, so then there's... Uh, so these guys go look for open cameras. Uh, let's find South Africa quick. So there's South Africa over there. And uh, they created the site to, make, to create awareness around open cameras. So you can see there's Pretoria, Joburg, uh, Cape Town. These are all live streams. Someone's house, someone's backyard. There's quite a few that you can actually go through. Just like someone's warehouse. There's someone busy working. There's a shop. So yeah, so there's a lot of... Uh, You'd be very surprised what we find on there actually during our assessments because Manny's obviously just finding some whatever's out there at the moment. But when we do targeted assessments, I mean, we go into a level where we see inside bank vaults and we see inside ATMs and I mean the list kind of carries on and that's our job to find that stuff so that basically they can fix it you know and then not random people can find it on the internet like Manny's browsing now yeah yeah so just remember that we didn't uh, oh, first of all I didn't hack your phones because sometimes I get this complaint that I, hacked. I didn't hack phones we just collect your Wi-Fi probes so I don't know if you turn off your phone but you might want to turn it off now it might be too late though um, yeah, so you can set up evil twin attacks, like I mentioned, set up a Wi-Fi point with the same name as what your phone's expecting. You connect to it and you get stuff. 
uh, data batches have Bluetooth attacks. There are a few. Uh, usually, I do do a demo around that, but we don't have enough time for that today. Uh, but if you have like an Android phone, for example, you're not getting patches, you should probably turn your Bluetooth off. Yeah, and, iOS uh, as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, just then, before Vegas, actually, there was yes. a massive iOS issue. Yeah, but there's a there's a very well known one for Bluetooth, which is called Blueboard, uh, which is quite a critical one because it allows you to take over your phone completely. Um, and that that one affects mainly the Android, the older Android phones that aren't. It also affected Apple, but they patched quickly. Android takes a lot longer to update there. It's a complicated thing there because it's Google, it's your carrier, it's your mo mobile manufacturer, so it's a bit difficult to update. All right, so lessons learned. What have you learned? Turn off all devices around Radio Dino. <laughs> That's the first thing. But now, uh, what have you learned? Sure, Rod, I think we might be here the whole day because no one's asking questions. We might. <laughs> Who's the next speaker? Should be worried. Uh, yeah, so turn off your Bluetooth and your wireless, right? There's always a usability versus security debate. It's very convenient to have your phone on and you walk into your car, it connects to your Bluetooth automatically. It's like really convenient, but your convenience comes at a, at a cost. Can you expose yourself to some sort of attack surface? Uh, left for past mistakes. So your IoT devices are pretty much, they're repeating the same mistakes that they did on computers many, many years ago. Default passwords, not patching, not signing. There's a lot of things that are technical there that the guys are just not doing. If you buy a camera online, just make sure you do proper research. Like if it's like 200 Rand, it's probably not the best camera. If it doesn't have a brand name, it's from China. I'm sure you can see your house, but so can China. Um, <laughs> And really, it's, like, it's as simple as like, if you get home and you plug in your, your camera and everything just works automatically without you having to type in the username and a password, you must ask yourself, how did it all work like that? If you didn't type in the username and a password. There's also like very small quick wins. Like, so I know nobody's, everybody can say no, they don't connect, but who connects to Wi-Fi <laughs> at coffee shops and things and airports and uh, slow lounges as we saw as an example. So a lot of you do. So do you, who uses a VPN? Okay, so a few of you use VPNs, right? you get free VPNs and that's going to help you a lot. So it's like small little tweaks that you kind of have to get used to. Um, but believe me, you know, it stops you from getting compromised. It's just the small little things that Manny was talking about. Like if you want to play Spotify in your car and you're so excited about the new song that came out, that's fine. And you have to basically just align, as an example, your quality of life with being super paranoid, you know, so you can't be paranoid all the time like me. I'm super paranoid because the things that I've seen <laughs> you know, generally in my 20 year career, like have been extreme. So yeah, I still, I still play music on my um, via Bluetooth in my car and we still connect to wireless, but it's just how you do it. So you want to connect to your phone, do it in your car, then have it on like nonstop as an example. The same thing goes for um, wireless networks. So just, you know, don't connect to every wireless network and try and say like, yeah, I want a free internet because it costs 10 Rand, you know, like just pay for the internet, use the VPN, you're safer. Okay. So, um, those are just the small tips, but they actually work for corporate environments as well. Um, you know, just have to kind of have a method of thinking day to day. Cool. Yeah, so the next thing is around the how everything you put online is permanent. Um, have you, who's heard of the Wayback Machine or archive.org? All right, so that's a pretty cool site. What it does is it goes through the internet, it takes snapshots of websites at a point in time. All right, and it stores it, and you can actually navigate it as if that site was up to date. Okay, so what I did was I went to the Actuarial Society site, and the first snapshot they took was in 2008, and that's how the site looked in 2008. I must be honest, it didn't change too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, sometimes you see massive changes, but like, <laughs> shots fired, shots fired. <laughs> uh, but what I did find is that there was an error on the 29th of January 2009, there was actually an error that happened on the, on the website which got archived. So that's pretty useful information because I can actually see maybe like what information you're using or, or there might be a misconfiguration that I could use to my, you know, my advantage, right? But the thing to highlight here is that when we put online, it's permanent. You might delete it tomorrow, but like something came by, took a snapshot and stored it online. All right, so just keep that in mind. And social media, that's another discussion because your Facebook and those places, they store your stuff forever. All right, you should at one point just request your information to see what's on there. All right, so... Let's just learn to remember everything you put online is uh, permanent. Uh, and even though you might think that your personal information is not valuable to someone, it is valuable to someone. Even your name, surname, and your ID number are useful information to me. All right? And your address and where you work, because all that stuff can be used to open up accounts and do identity theft. 
All right. Or I can use it to validate myself when I call into some place and say, who are you? Like, yes. And don't use things like your, a lot of people use their kids' birthdays, names, or derivation of those as their passwords. And all that T- stuff's useful. You test your private banker. <laughs> test your private I'm banker. not even joking. I mean, just see if they'll send out your details to someone else. Or if, for example, your spouse can actually do transfers on behalf of you. Those are the kind of things that you, you need to, they're just small things, but then you need to say like, why are you actually things yeah. that don't come directly for me as an example. So, and those things happen. I mean, those are like the simplest attacks and they're probably the most effective. So, um, yeah, just kind of like, we don't want to make you scared like day to day or like put this fear in you. These things are happening day to day. It's kind of like just be, you know, test your procedures that you're doing now and then, small things. Yeah, so why aren't we able to prevent these attacks? So, as I mentioned, criminals are quite well organized and they move fast. All right, so as companies, we're quite slow to move and adapt. All right, if you want to like deploy new technology, it's like change control and you must do this and do risk acceptance and that, 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 that. Criminals are not constrained by that. Like, who heard of the WannaCry ransomware about two, two years ago? WannaCry hit and, you know, infected everyone. And there's a researcher found a kill switch for that ransomware. And a few hours later, there was a new one out that was spreading and couldn't be stopped. Two hours later, companies can't do that that quickly. Not today. So are we all doomed? No. We've got information security. Or is it cyber security? Usually teams tell me that if they want budget and funding, they say cyber security. <laughs> information security is just like another thing. So cyber security wasn't really a big thing until recent times. And I think in South Africa, until Carte Blanche wrote something on it. So I think that's when we started hearing about, we knew about cyber security, but then when Carte Blanche spoke about it, it was, uh, <laughs> it was like, cyber security, did you hear about the cyber security thing? Yes, for the last 10 years. Um, so, cybersecurity is part of information security, right? Cybersecurity is about protecting information, cyberspace, digital information, computers, servers, stuff like that. Information security is about protecting information across the whole organization. Printed, your HR process, procurement, uh, third-party management, contracts, all that stuff is information security, right? And you deal with it across the whole life cycle of information. So when information is created, backed up, transferred, stored, all that stuff. Because if a lot of companies that don't actually protect the information when it's backed up, they've got all the best defenses over here, but the backups are all like unprotected. And like, we just go to the backups. Sometimes we find backups are like zero bytes, which is probably a problem. Because <laughs> that means their backups aren't actually working, which makes us disappointed. No, we, we actually, can't even. Yeah, because yeah, we wanted them. Yeah, like, we wanted no, it's yeah. like terrible. Um, and then remember, it refers to also printed information. So anything physical, things that you write on boards and meeting rooms, all that stuff is information that should be protected. Um, and also, just remember, when it comes to information, confidentiality, integrity, availability, that's known as the information security triad. So it's the three things you need to ensure around information security. But there's something else missing from there, which is privacy and non-repudiation. Those are separate things. You know, you can have confidentiality, which means your information is protected, but you don't necessarily have privacy. Just because something's encrypted doesn't mean it's private. Because someone else might have access to it, they shouldn't have access to it. Or you're selling the information to someone else. So there's a, there's a difference there. All right, so risk management, I don't have to tell anyone in this room about what risk management is. Uh, but what I do want to say is that in information security, teams are always aiming to reduce vulnerabilities. So we go to companies that are like, I've got, I had 2,000 vulnerabilities last week. I've got 1,800 now. So we're actually improving. I'm like, well, not really, because it's not 1,800 ways to get in here, but never mind. But the truth is that you can't measure it based on vulnerabilities because that's a moving number. No company will ever have zero vulnerabilities because that number never becomes zero. It keeps, tomorrow there'll be a new vulnerability in Word or Office or something. So you, if your security approach is based around reducing vulnerabilities, you, you're on the wrong path. It can't just be about vulnerabilities. There's a lot more around it than just that. All right, but um, it is about putting controls in place that are effective to reduce your vulnerabilities and manage your risk. And every company has their own risk and every person has their own risk. But uh, if you had to look at this house, what are the, how can you get into this house? What are the possible entry points into here? Doors, windows, the roof, the chimney. Yeah, so you guys have found the vulnerabilities, right? So in our field, there's vulnerability assessment and there's penetration tests. All right, so vulnerability assessment says, here's your potential vulnerabilities. All right, penetration test says, I break into that house and I steal your TV and I walk out with the TV, that's a penetration test. All right, so something to be cautious of is that there are a lot of vendors out there that try to sell you 
penetration tests and they actually vulnerability assessments, automated scanners. All right, and the problem with automated scanners is that they could be false positives. Because what if I just pasted a picture and it looks like a window, but it's actually got a window. And you come by like, oh, there's a window there, but it's actually a brick wall. And you try to throw a brick through there and bang. You know, so it's also about putting effective controls in place. Would you say this is an effective control to keep people out of their, out of their area? No, it's not. But if I, was, uh, if I had to look at a, at a big fancy spreadsheet, and that spreadsheet said, do we have a boom? Yes, we have a boom. Check. But no one actually goes out there and checks, is this boom actually effective? At the end of the day, you might have done your risk. You go back to your equation, you're like, yeah, we've got the control. It reduces the risk, uh, but not really, because everyone can just drive around the boom. Right? So it has to be an effective control, not just a control. It must be effective. And it must be tested. If you don't test your control, how do you know it's effective? Yeah. So remember, this, vulnerabilities always exist. Measure your controls. And uh, remember the difference between vulnerability assessments and pen tests. So what would you say is the biggest risk, if you had to look at this? What would be the biggest risk? Is it people, process, or technology? People. People, eh? Like us, or the other people. <laughs> so the idea is that you need to manage your risk across all of these, right? So the center there is actually where you need to be. Because you can have the best technology in the world, but if you don't have the right people to run that technology, or that have the skills to run that technology, you've actually wasted money. We've got a lot of companies that have massive budgets. They buy the best technology, we'd like to call them blinky lights, because that's what they are. And they sit in the server room and no one knows how to actually use it or configure it. And all the time they just turn stuff off because they couldn't get it to work. All right? And the process around that is important. Because if anyone can just go there and turn stuff off without following the right process, then you've, it's a useless control as well. All right? So a lot of times we see this in companies where guys have these awesome spreadsheets with like the no roadmap. It's got risk ratings. It's got like green, red. It shows it going down over the time. Everyone's high-fiving each other. They're happy. <laughs> we're managing the risk. Guys, it's a journey. It's a journey. We, we're on a journey. We're here. We're going there. It's, but in the meantime, the criminals don't really care how far along you're on your journey. They don't actually care how big the spreadsheet is. They don't care if you're certified. They only care about this money. And there is no silver bullet that's going to solve your problems. Yeah, this is, this is really big. I mean, for you guys to understand. Because PCI DSS and the rest of these like certifications and... Um, they kind of give you a bit of a false sense of security. You know, PC, PCI DSS, okay, cool, like we're fine now, and we can just leave everything. The hackers are, you know, yeah, exactly. not going to break into us. So this is extremely important because we find a lot of this in our day-to-day -day activities. Like we often get customers asking us for checkbox tests. We don't do them. We turn them down because basically we get a list and we say, oh, okay, cool, they've got a firewall, and like, okay, cool, they're patching like <laughs> yes. once a week. All right, they're safe, you know. Um, and that's not the case. So um, just be aware of those kind of things. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. They have their place, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Yeah, I mean, we don't really read the policies and be like, yo, this company has a really good policy and we just stop our attack and walk away. <laughs> no, we don't, right? So this happens, and that's usually where they call us in, uh, where something happens. Uh, so we're not saying standards are bad. We're not saying technology is bad. It just needs to be used in the right way and in the right balance, okay? So... Don't go and think, I know people always say that no one ever got fired for buying Cisco. Yes, but we bypass Cisco all the time. It's like pretty much when we see Cisco, we're like, ha, huh, easy. Uh, so what is bad then? So things like your patch manager, updating your servers and things like that, your software. The usual excuse we get at companies is that we can't update because it's, it's an old system. All right, it's legacy. No one wants to touch it. It's been here for years. The guy, Bob, developed it. He left. No one knows how to use it. Um, <laughs> No one wants to touch it because they're scared. And so no one patches it, right? And then someone along the line accepts the risk because it impacts business. They accept the risk. But just because you can't patch it doesn't mean you can't isolate it and segment it from the rest of the network. It doesn't mean everyone should have access to it. You put mitigating controls in place to manage that risk. You don't just say, oh, we, are, we do risk acceptance and accept that risk. Because uh, we come in there, we don't care who accepts the risk. We're going to compromise that server, that software. We're going to get access to your stuff. All right, so... That's the best case when we do it as part of a test. The worst case is when a criminal does it. Uh, weak passwords, all right? So weak passwords are a massive problem. What is a strong password? Who can tell me what makes a strong password? And I'm running out of time. Ron's going to come drag me off here. What is a, what is a strong password? Log alpha numeric special characters. That's right. But it's just actually just the longer the password is, the better. And don't put patterns in your password. Don't be like, Maddie is awesome, Facebook. Maddie is awesome, 
you know, F and B, values also, you know, then like you just change the last part. Because if I compromise one server, I've got the first part of your password, I'm just going to change the last part and get it, right? Or don't make your password August at 2019, guys. I know it's August today. It's, uh, or spring. September, or hey? Yes, or September at 2019 will be your password. Every time we go to companies, we just try those usual things. September at 2019, because it's September, spring. Because yeah. someone's like, oh, what should I change my password to? Mm, oh, it's spring. Spring. <laughs> You're right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the whole thing about that is that when we break into a corporate as an example and there's 60,000 users, it's just a, a numbers game for us. So basically, we just need to find one person with that password. So we, we basically do a password spray with exactly what Manny said, one of those passwords, and you know, we, we pretty much get in. Obviously, there's mitigating things in place for like instant response to see someone doing that as an example, but um, it's, it's what Manny was saying, it's how you manage that risk overall. Yeah, and also don't use your company name and your password for your company password, because we will try that. And don't replace the, the A with an at and the S with a five and the O with a zero and think it's like clever. We've, we know how to get around that stuff. I think right? a lot of people are going to change their passwords. <laughs> people are like, jeez, I better change my password today. Uh, yeah, so there's also, uh, sometimes companies tell us that our pen tests are too real and they were too, you guys went too far. <laughs> and we're like, the, we just did what the criminal would do. So if you're in charge of pen testing and stuff like that, or security assessments, don't restrict the assessment in such a way that you, we can't actually do what the criminal would do. Okay, because one time I did a phishing assessment, I used the CEO's face, I faked his signature, sent out an email from his email box, and then I got told that I went too far. All right. <laughs> so I, you, know, you know why? Because, because people actually reacted to it yeah, and we so, got in the network. So. And, and I used a topical, it was a very sensitive issue in the company at that time, yeah. but I used that because I knew people were going to click on that link. Because it was a very sensitive issue, but like... Many keeps on saying, you know, like, uh, you know, criminal's going to say, oh, no, it's the CEO, it's too far. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> this is so, a very sensitive uh, internal topic, exactly, you know, yeah. Exactly. So don't, don't do that. Um, also, we get this all the time where IT managers tell us that they've got 20 years experience, so they know better. I mean, you and I are quite young. We're so old, but like, we, we're not that old. But we get a lot of times where people say that, you know, I'm the boss, I've got 30 years experience, you don't know any better than I do. And like, why do you, why do you say you're right? Because I've got 30 years experience. That's already an answer. All right, because you do things like using the habits of knocking the screw and you're just wasting, you know, your time, right? So, and that goes for us as well. Like, we're always open to hearing from our junior staff. That's the input, we, we're open to it. Because you can't know everything, so you must be open to learning from other people. Otherwise, you, you lost. Yeah, so the way about sensitivities we spoke about, check your ego at the door. Uh, more years doesn't mean you have you correct all the time. Certain fields it does, but not in, not in security, not in IT. Your experience, if you, ever keep if you don't keep developing your skills, you're not going, it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It's not going to make up for that skills gap that you've got over 30 years. All right, so keep that in mind. Uh, also, we find a lot of IT managers will throw around a lot of jargon. So if you ask someone a question and they can't explain it to you in simple terms, it means they don't know what they're talking about. It's as simple as that. All right, so we find a lot of times audit will come in, risk will come in, and they're auditing IT, and then IT will just throw around jargon, eh? like big words, bang, bang, bang. And I sit there, like, it doesn't even make sense to me. I'm like, dude, you're not making any sense. But it's basically this, just this need RAM, HDD, URL, IS. If you IT, that, that's actually just gibberish. It actually says nothing. All right? So, if someone's throwing around jargon, just ask and say, can you explain it to me the way I understand? A lot of times we find boards don't do that because they're afraid to let them think that they're stupid or they don't understand. But the truth is, the IT knows, they're just going to go there and BS is what they're doing. Truthfully, that's what they're doing. Uh, I call it BS bingo. It's like, ping, 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 basically. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's pretty much what I just said there. If they can't explain it in simple terms, then it means they don't actually understand what they're talking about. It's as simple as that. Um, so the way forward, really, um, understand your tax surface. Understand that your house changes all the time. Remember the little house I showed you guys at the beginning? At the end, this is how the house is going to look. But the idea is that you must put controls in place to manage and protect your house as the house changes. And you know that in business, if your house doesn't change, you don't adapt, you fall behind, your business closes down. So you need to evolve. You can't just get left behind. You need to evolve. But evolve in a way that you actually protect yourself. And there's nothing wrong with Googling and finding answers. The problem is with Google is that there's a lot of answers out there. Uh, so sometimes it's just best to like rather come and ask you know, email myself at Dino. We don't, we usually, we always reply. Even if you ask for some advice, come in for coffee, whatever it is. 
Uh, we're always happy to help. Like, I'm sure when uh, Rod read our bios, we do a lot for the community, so we're very much community focused. And if we could come out to a, have one coffee meeting and teach you something that you didn't know, we're happy with that. All right, so there's no silver bullet, this dodgy guy selling you the products that's gonna solve all your problems does not exist. All right, so looks like a second-hand car salesman, eh? <laughs> anyway, there's no silver bullet. Uh, remember, attackers don't worry about scope, there's no exclusions, and the attackers don't have time limits. All right, so we get a week to hack into a company. Attackers have unlimited time. So if we come do an assessment at your company, whatever it is, give us the information that we would find anyway. Don't be like, oh, you're a hacker, find a way in. Yes, I'm a hacker, but I've got a week. Other hackers or the bad hackers have, you know, 200 days or whatever it is. So rather give us the information that we can find anyway and stop trying just to pass stuff and, you know, pass the, the test. Because you might beat the pen test, but you're not going to beat the real world attacker. All right, so just keep that in mind. Remember, it's a team effort, and the best control is you guys. And just pass it on the message to everyone else that you come across. And yeah, I think the last thing is just be paranoid. Uh, but always, you can always trust, but validate. All right, and there's a lot of things we can, we can talk about there. And I've gone over about five minutes. Sorry, Ron. I tried. <laughs> I, t I took about Portuguese fast speaking at the end. Um, yeah, but that's it. Um, we don't have much formal time for Q&A, but maybe while we set up for the next speaker, we can just take one or two questions from the audience. Okay, we've got one over here. Take the questions here. I'll back up. Um, I just wanted to ask, what's your opinion on password managers? So, if, for example, you have one password that's fairly long and you know it's random, et cetera, et cetera, and you use the app where you say, like, okay, I need to make a password for... F and B needs to be this character, and it generates yeah. one for you. So, I'll say for those, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, password, password managers like LastPass and uh, yeah. KeyPass. Yeah, they're, they're very good. I mean, we, we encourage them. I, th I know that a lot of the, like, for example, one of the banks had a bit of an issue with that last month and it was all over Twitter because they stopped allowing password uh, managers to actually input in their fields. But um, yeah, we encourage that. Like, super complex passwords you'll never remember. Yeah. Look, I mean, if it's a very targeted attack, um, you know, we can obviously get into your password manager and use it, but by that stage, we're already on your computer, right? So, um, for me, password managers are, are a must. Yeah, so just to add on to that, that answer, everyone has their own attack model, right? So for me, for example, anything that affects me financially or personally, like my reputation, social media, bank accounts, that's never the password manager, right? But stuff that doesn't really affect me, like newsletters, whatever it is, that's in a password manager. Okay, so uh, the idea is most password managers offer two-factor authentication, so enable that, because if I get your master password, then I still have to have your phone to get that code to log into your password vault. Uh, obviously, the, the, there's, there's trade-offs, because you put all your passwords in one basket. If I compromise the basket, I've got all the passwords, right? Um, but for me, my passwords are all separate. Those ones that are, affect me financially or my reputation, especially our reputation, because we, yeah. if we get hacked, Myself and Dino, it's a, we, like, it's, it's a problem. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> why? Yeah, so look at it that way. Everyone's got their own attack model. Um, okay, thank you so much. W one thing I'd just like to express to Manny and Dino is um, we recognize that they came and spoke here as a, a part of what they view as a service to the community. So thank you so much. And awesome. she has a small token of our ah, appreciation. Thanks, Ron. So thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.